Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Thank you for inviting me to speak this morning. It's a real privilege spending time with Christians, people who believe in Jesus Christ. I hope that all of you had a good Thanksgiving holiday season. I had, had our two girls home with their husbands, and we had a great time. A teacher in elementary school wanted to do something special with her kids. So she gave them a, a piece of paper. And on a piece of paper was a little box. And she told each child, I want you to take the box home tonight. When you come back tomorrow, I want you to draw something in the box that you are thankful for. And the children all smiled and said, oh man, they started thinking, what am I going to write? What am I going to draw? What am I going to do? The next morning, the kids all came back to school. And they all sat down and the teacher said, okay, I'm going to call one at a time. And I want you to come up. I want you to show the paper. What I gave you yesterday with a box inside of the paper drawn, and I want you to explain what you wrote. One of the students went up and she held up the sign and says, I am thankful for my dog. Put it down. Another one came up. I'm thankful for the turkey that we're going to be having. And it went on and on and on. And finally, the last kid came up. And he came up and he held up the, the sheet of paper. And you know what it was? It was empty. And the teacher says, oh, my. Maybe he didn't have enough time during the night to do his homework. And he says, well, what are you thankful for? And he just looked at the teacher and he held up the paper and he said, I'm thankful for the empty box. And the teacher said, what? The empty box? Yes. I'm thankful that the grave is empty. And she says, yes. He was thankful that the grave was empty because Jesus was not kept in a grave. And that's what I'm thankful for. That is the most thankfulest thing I can ever think of is what my God did for me. He sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die, to rest, and he was resurrected for our sake. And today I have a God who's alive. I have a Jesus, I have a Savior who's living. And I have a Savior that I can call any time of the day. He doesn't have office hours. He doesn't say, call me between 3 and 9 or 6 and 7. He tells me I can call him any time of the day. And I see we have some kids here, some boys and girls here. What would happen? Now you go to school, don't you? Don't you go to school? Yeah, I see you nodding. Okay. You have a teacher, don't you? What would happen when you go back to school after Thanksgiving vacation if you call your teacher at 3 o'clock in the morning and says, Hello, teacher. I just want to call and see how are you. What would happen the next day? You think the teacher would like you? What would they tell you, mom and dad? Hey, what about your son? Oh, why don't you control your son? He called me 3 o'clock in the morning. Why? But you know, my God tells us, you can call me any time of the day. Morning, noon, or night. Please call me, and I'll be there for you. And you know what my God tells me? My God tells me, I have a thousand ways to provide for you, of which you don't know of any. 
after this service. I don't care if you don't get anything out of this sermon. Just remember one thing, one single thing. And when I shake your hand at the door, I want you to say this. A thousand ways. God has a thousand ways for us. And all during the time I'm going to talk to you, I want to mention this many times. It's not because I'm senile and I'm old, but I want to drive this home. And I want to make sure that you understand. Desire of Ages, page 330, tells us that God has a thousand ways to provide for our needs of which we don't know of any. Can you imagine that? Wow. I can barely count to a thousand. Can you count to a thousand? It'll take me a while. If you think you're smart, try to count from a thousand backwards to one. See if you can do that. But my God has a thousand ways to provide for us of which we don't know of any. And I'm glad today that not only does, is my God alive, but my God listens to me and he hears me and he will help me and he'll support me. A man was walking through the desert. And as he was walking, he was getting kind of late. And he walked and he fell into a hole. And as he fell into the hole, he went down and down and down and down, at least 30, 40, 50 feet down. And he looked up and he says, how am I going to get out of this hole? And he tried to climb, but he could not climb. It was all sandy. The more he climbed, the more it started to cave in on him. And all of a sudden, he started yelling. And he started to see somebody walking by. And he says, help, help, help me. And the same thing when I was preaching last time. But he just yelled, help me, help me. And a man looked down in a hole. And, said, what? and the man looked down in a hole and he says, hey, what's your problem? We got it here. And the man looked down in a hole and he said, what's your problem? And he says, I fell in this hole and I need help. Please help me, help me, help me. And a man looked down in a hole and he says, oh, my child, my child, if you only read my writings, you would have never gotten into this mess. Sorry. And he left. He waited and he heard another step of foot, another footprints coming by and he says, help me, help me. And he went by and a man looked down again, another man, and he says, hey, can you help me? And a man said, well, what's your problem? He says, well, I fell in this hole and I can't get out. Can you help me? And a man looked down and he says, oh. If you only read my writings, you would learn how to get out. Too bad. And he walked away. We have a God who not only can hear us, but then another man came by and he heard the yelling of this individual. And he says, help me, help me, help me. And he looked over and he said, well, what's your problem? And he repeated himself. He said, I was walking and I fell in this hole and I can't get out. And this man looked down and you know what he did? He says, I'll help you. He jumped in a hole. And he helped him out. And this is what Jesus does for us today. We have all these famous writers who tells us how to do it, when to do it, what to do. But we have a man today who wrote to us, not only telling us how or what to do, but he comes and he helps us. And that's Jesus. I don't care what your problem is, my people. My God is a wonderful God. My God is a wonderful God. And if you don't believe in Jesus, let me encourage you. Please, please get to know Jesus. Develop a relationship. Don't worry about your problems. You see, if you say today, hey, I can't come to Christ because I have so many problems. Jesus will not accept me. Let me tell you, that's incorrect. My God says, come unto me, all ye that are laboring, heavy laden, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. Jesus says, hey, come to me and I will help you with your problems. When I taught at San Gabriel Academy, we had a man named Larry Ham. Maybe some of you folks remember him who 
are, well, who went to San Gabriel Academy. Larry was a maintenance man or the custodian there. And he told me, he says, you know, when I came to Jesus, I had a smoking problem. And he says, I refuse to be baptized because I smoked. And he says, I cannot be baptized until I finish my smoke. You think I just have to smoke and finish it off? And he said, I just turned it over to Jesus. And he says, Lord, I cannot come to you because I smoke too much. And Lord, you've got to show me that if you want me to come to you, you've got to take away this urge for me smoking. You can do all things. And he said the next morning at breakfast, he usually have his cigarette. He said, man, my wife was a good cook. And he says, Gracie can cook a meal. And she said, every morning I had a good breakfast. And Gracie brought me my breakfast and I ate. And then afterwards, I lit up my cigarette. And he said, that was the best time of my life, lighting up that cigarette because it relaxed me. And he said, on this morning, when I smoked my cigarette, I got nauseated and I threw up. And he said, I never touched another cigarette after that. My God has a thousand ways to provide for us. Who knows? Maybe you should have taken a five-day smoking class. I don't know. But my God has a special way of doing things. Isn't that correct? My God has a special way. My God is such a wonderful God that he tells us that no matter what your problem is, I have a solution. I can solve your problems and don't worry about it. You just come to me and I will help you. When I, went, when I was invited to go to Hawaii as a youth ministries director, as soon as I arrived, many of the people came up to me, many of the youth came up to me and says, Pastor, Pastor, you got to do one thing. I said, what? You got to build a swimming pool. I said, excuse me? You got to build a swimming pool at the camp. We've got a nice camp, but we need a swimming pool for the kids. I said, why would he, why would we need a swimming pool? We got a swimming pool all the way around us, all the water around us. We don't, you know, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but this is, we need a swimming pool for our kids. And I finally found out why. And you know, I don't want to go into detail, but we needed a swimming pool. So I went to the treasurer and I said, Mr. Chang, and he was a older gentleman. In fact, I grew up with his kids and I thought, oh man, I knew him real well. He knew me real well. And so I said, Mr. Chang, we need a swimming pool at camp. And he looked at me and he says, son, you're right, we do. And I says, can we build one? He says, you can build it, but you got to raise the money. And I says, you got to be kidding. And so how much is going to be? He said, we had estimates of building a pool there and it will cost approximately $250,000. And he said, the conference is poor. We don't have the money. And he says, forget it. Other youth directors try to do it and you can't do it. Just get it out of your mind and tell the people you try your best. And then you can't do it. He says, it's impossible. So I said, okay. So I left it alone. And there's one thing about camp is you run it during the summer. And every summer we run summer camp for the kids. And, you know, we never try to turn away kids from the camp because this is where they can find Jesus I try to pick the best counselors and then the best staff. And when they come to camp, they, they know Jesus. <clears throat> we never turn away a kid from camp too, by the way. If you don't have money, that's okay. You don't, have to worry about, you don't have to worry about it. If you can't find transportation, we'll pick you up. Just let us know you want to come. On this particular Sunday, we're starting camp. And it was the last camp of the week. Or last camp of the summer. And this man came up to me and he says, Sir, I want to send my kid to camp. And I looked at him and I says, okay, no problem. We'd love to have him. And I thought maybe he would say, well, I don't belong to your church. Can I still send my kid? And he looked at me and he says, 
I don't belong to your church. I said, no problem. We'll take your kid. And he said, my kid has problems. I said, don't worry about it. We'll take care of your kid. He said, I said, I picked the best counselors from our colleges, and we have a good bunch of staff. And he looked at me, and he says, well, my kid is handicapped, and I want to make sure I send my kid to camp. And I says, yeah, we'll take him. We'll take him. I said, guarantee we'll take him. No problem. And he said, but you don't understand. I said, well, no problem. And he says, my kid is autistic. You know what autistic is? He said, he's severely autistic. And I said, no problem. We can handle that. And then he says, and another thing. He's totally blind. I looked at him. I said, excuse me? He's totally blind. He's autistic and he's blind and he's eight years old. Can you take him? And I said, yep, we'll take him. I put my foot in my mouth and I said, I'll take him. And I started to think, wow, Lord, you got a thousand ways to provide for this. You can do it, Lord. Show me how to do it. And so while he was registering his boy, he brought the boy over, eight years old, cute little boy. And all he could do was just like this all day long. That's all he did was just really bait with his fingers. And the father says, sir, you left to feed him. You left to bathe him. You left to take him to the bathroom. You've got to clean up when he makes a mess. Will you take him? I said, yeah, we'll take him. We'll take him. We'll take him. He needs it as much as anybody else. His name was Carl. And I says, Carl, how are you? He didn't answer me. All he did was this. Continuously. And I said, well, wow, Lord, what am I going to do? you got a thousand ways to provide. You've got to do it, Lord. I can't do it. And so, he, so the Lord gave me an idea. Pick your best counselor and make your counsel work one-to-one with him. And it's a challenge. Many of us will not even do it. So I thought, who am I going to choose as my staff to work with him one-to-one for seven days? And, and I finally chose one of my staff. He was the best I had. His name was Bob Garcia. I called him in. I said, Bob, the Lord has given you a mission. I said, you worked for me before. You worked for me three years already, Bob. And the Lord has chosen you to do a special task. And he smiled at me and he said, oh, okay, no problem. I can do it. And I says, Bob, the Lord can do a miracle in you to do help this individual. No problem, Pastor, no problem. And I says, I want you to come in. I want you to meet Carl. No problem. And I introduced him to Carl. And all he did was this. And he couldn't see. And Bob looked at me and he scratched his head. And I says, Bob, you're the best I've got. And let's show this kid what Jesus is during this summer. And Bob says, I'll do it. And I said, praise the Lord. And I hugged him. I says, Bob, we'll do it together. And he says, no problem, Pastor. I'll do it. I'll do it. Every single day, he fed the child. Every single day, he took the, bat- he took the boy to his shower. Every day, he took him to the bathroom. And every day, he watched over him on a one-to-one base. On Sunday, as we got the kids together, as we had our worship, as we had our meal, the father was still there because the father wanted to make sure that we took care of his son, his precious son. That was his only child that he had. He went home on Sunday, and I made sure, and I stayed up with Bob, and we put the kid to bed, and he got up, and you know everything was okay. Monday morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, I hear a car coming into camp. I should have locked the gate. But he came into camp, and he got out of the car, and guess who it was? It was the boy's father. He got out of the car. He didn't say one thing. He just stood by the door and he watched. As Carl came for breakfast, he watched. As Bob fed Carl, he watched. 
As Bob took Carl to the bathroom, he watched. He didn't say one word. He just folded his arms and he watched. And I was thinking to myself, man, what a father. Get out of here. Let us take care of your boy. You know what I'm saying? Don't tell us what to do. Trust us. But he came on Monday watching. He stayed three-fourths of the day. He left at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And when he left, I says, wow. Whew, wonder what he's going to do now. Is he going to report us to, you know, CPS or something? On Tuesday morning, 6 o'clock, the car came back in. And I says, oh, my, what's going to happen? And sure enough, here he came. He out of his car, crossed his arm, and he just stood by, the, stood by the entrance of the camp and just watched as we took care of his son. I also invited him to eat with us. He says, no, no, I'm not hungry. But he just watched. Wednesday came, same thing, 6 o'clock in the morning, and he watched. And he stayed till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And he did this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and, Friday, and finally Friday came. And he says, you know, Pastor, I've got to take my boy home because we have something special planned for the weekend. I said, no problem. So 4 o'clock, man, I was sweating by then. I said, whew, on what he's going to do now. Is he going to report us or is he going to praise us? Is he going to thank us? And he came up to me and he says, Pastor, I came for four days in a row. And it's my fifth day here. I want to thank you. You've got a special camp here. And you've got a special church that takes care of these individuals. And I said, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And he says, you know, I really thank you for it. And he said, before I leave, I want to ask you one question. I said, yes, sir. He says, what can I do for you? And I looked at him and I said, well, what do you mean? He says, I am the colonel. For well, the Corps of Engineers of the United States Army for the state of Hawaii. Bingo, it went into my mind. And I said, sir, you know what I want? I want a swimming pool. I want a swimming pool. And he looked at me and he said, son, no problem. He said, no problem. No problem whatsoever. He said, where do you want the swimming pool? I said, you see where that house is, where the manager, where the, where the, where the caretaker is? There's a mountain behind there. There's a mountain about 20 feet high. And we built the house against a mountain. We don't have any room on camp. We only had 10 acres. We had cabins and we had a nice field. We had a volleyball court. That's all we had for 10 acres. And I said, what I want is I want to knock that wall down or knock that mountain down. And I want to build a pool there next to the house of the, of the manager. So he can watch the pool at night to make sure nobody sneaks in the pool. And that's the only space I can think of. He looked at it and he said, no problem. I said, excuse me? Knocked a 20-foot mountain down? And he says, I'm, going to, I'm bringing my lieutenant over on Sunday. Can you tell him what you want? And I'll be here too. I said, yep. And so I, I showed him what I want. He, we walked and we walked up the hill, 20 feet high. We walked over the mountain and the guy just looked at it and he looked at it and he says, no problem. Monday morning, I had a phone call from one of the neighbors at the camp and he said, what's going on? He says, we have trucks, tractors, bulldozers all coming into your camp. Are you tearing your camp down? Within six weeks, they took out the whole mountain, took out the whole mountain, and he started digging for a hole for the swimming pool. And he says, you know, we got to work together. I says, yeah. He says, I have some supplies, but not all enough. And he said, whatever, you know, one thing I need, he says, I need plywood. You know, plywood to form you carpenters, you men, you know, when you build a pool, you got to build a frame. And he says, I need X amount of boards for that because I don't have enough boards at the, where, 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 where we are from. So can you get it? I says, no problem. I'll ask for some donations. And so the largest area that we have was a place called City Mill. In those days, we had no Home Depot. And if you go to Hawaii, by the way, you're going to Hawaii. Look up City Mill. City Mill is still there. 
is still one of the oldest, the first big area um, hardwood Home Depot that we have, and they're giving Home Depot a competition. But people have warned me. They said, don't you ever go to that guy because he is so stingy. He said, the guy who owns City Mill is so tight that he squeaks when he walks. So you'll get nothing. And I asked the treasurer, I said, well, can we at least, you know, I got a big hole now. I got a big, I tore a mountain down. I got a big hole. I need some plywood to start framing this pool. Do you have any money? The treasurer says, I don't have a penny to give you. But remember, my God has how many ways? My God has a thousand ways to provide for us, of which I don't know of any. And so I went to City Mill, and they told me, you know, some of my friends told me, he is so tight, you get nothing. And so I went to see him. And I said, sir, and I explained the situation to him. And I said, I need X amount of boards, plywood. And I told him what we we're doing. And you know what he told me? He says, oh. He said, if I give you, i got to give everybody else. That's true, isn't it? If I give you as a donation, i got to give this church, i got to give this church, i got to give this church, and I won't make any money. He said, I'm sorry, I can't give you a thing. And I said, well, thank you so much. I'll be praying for you. My God has a thousand ways to provide. I don't know how he's going to do it. Maybe, maybe i got to go. To, I don't know. Maybe i got to talk to somebody else. A week later, I get a phone call from this gentleman. And he says, Bob, this is so-and-so. I'm from City Mill. I said, oh, yeah, I know you. And he says, my, my, my forklift driver unloaded the truck of plywood. And he turned a corner too much and he dinged a corner. And I can't sell the plywood. I'll give it to you. You can have it all. He said, I've got a hundred sheets of plywood that you can have. It's all, it's all damaged. But hey, who cares? The, the edge is okay. It's just a corner that was dinging. He said he couldn't sell it. And he says, can you pick it up? And I told him, I said, sir, I only have a car. I can't pick up a hundred. I can't pick up a hundred sheets of plywood. All right, all right, all right, I'll deliver it. So he brought his truck and he delivered it to the camp. And can you imagine if he dropped it off? A hundred sheets of plywood to frame it. Then a Corps of Engineers came up to me and he says, hey, man, we're running short of rebarb. You know what rebarb is? Five inch, uh, five, you know, rebarb? He says, we need some rebarb. Can you get us some rebarb? He says, I'll get, I'll get some rebarb. And I went and I talked to Western Steel in Hawaii. The same thing. He says, man, he says, you know, we're, we're having a hard time financially. We can't give you any more. We don't have any to give out. He says, maybe, maybe next year. But, you know, we can't, we can't wait for the engineers to wait a whole year. I said, well, thank you so much. I left my card and I left. The next day he calls me and he says, sir, I don't know what you did. But my guy cut X amount of tree barbs, half an inch, too short for the job that ordered it. And we can't use it. Can you use it? I said, absolutely we can use it, man. We're going to cut it up anyway to, to, to form the, the, the framing of the pool. He says, come pick it up right away because we got to get rid of it. And I said, sir, I don't have a truck. I only have a car. He said, okay, I'll deliver it. So, man, that afternoon, that big truck came with the rebarbs. I mean, it was a huge truck full of rebarb. And they unloaded it, too. They had a forklift. They unloaded it. It was so great. My God has a thousand ways for us of which we don't know of any. Did you know that? My God can provide for that. Then the... Corps of Engineers told me, hey, can you get us some concrete? You know, when we, after we frame it, after we do all this, we've got to shoot the gunite. I said, well, how many yards do you need? He told me, how many yards? I said, oh, man, that's a lot of truckloads. It's at least 20, 20 truckloads of gunite that they're going to shoot. And I says, wow, that's a lot. And so I went to 
Kaiser, Kaiser Cement. And I told him my predicament. And he says, hey, he says, I can't give you all of that. But I'll tell you what, I won't give you anything. But if you go to Pacific Concrete and you tell him your story, I will match what they give you. And I said, oh, man, yes, I will. So I went there and I explained the situation and I told him what Kaiser was going to do. And they supplied all the concrete we needed. We built a swimming pool at the camp. And it didn't cost us a penny because my God has a thousand ways to provide for us. And if you go to Hawaii, when you go to Hawaii, you go to the camp, you look at that swimming pool. I was the first one to jump in that pool when it was finished. The God has a thousand ways. And my God says, I need you to trust me. Did you know that? But many times the problem is we don't want to trust God, you know, because we don't have faith in him. Or sometimes we trust God, but we don't want him to do it on his turn. But we want to tell God what to do. I got a little story I keep in my Bible. And it says, as children bring their broken toys with, with, with tears for us to mend. I brought my, to my broken dreams to God because he was my friend. But instead of leaving him in peace to work alone, I hung around and tried to help him with ways that were my own. At last I snatched him back and cried, how can you take so slow? My child, my child, he said, what could I do? You never let go. This is the problem that we have today. The problem is we don't turn it over to Jesus. We turn it over to Jesus and we let him want to do it his way, but we want to do our way. So we interfere with him. And you know what, you know what happens when we do that? We make God more in a, in a bind that he cannot fulfill it. My God says, hey, I have a specific plan for your life. Everyone sitting here this morning, God has a special plan. God has a plan for you in this life, in this world, in this day today. God has a special plan that he wants to do for you. And many times we say to ourselves, man, I can't do it. Because I don't know how or I don't know why. But my God has what? A thousand ways to provide for us of which we don't know of any. As I was growing up, <clears throat> my dad abused me. He taught me something very, very nasty that I never could overcome. In fact, I still do it today. Since I was a kid, I can't remember when it started, but my dad taught me something. And you know what he taught me? He taught me the love of ice cream. Ever since I was a kid, I ate ice cream, and I love ice cream even today. I don't care how cold, how hot, I don't care what time, I don't care what time of night, if it's day or night, I like ice cream. I eat ice cream. And one of the most favorite things my dad used to do with me, just him and I, we used to go and get a Dairy Queen. Remember those things? I love Dairy Queen. Every time I go through a Dairy Queen or I see a Dairy Queen on the freeway, on the street, I've got to stop. That's my habit. I've got to break that habit. I can't break it. And I've got to stop and I've got to get a Dairy Queen. And man, that cone is so good. It is so soft. It's so milky. It's so cold. And many times I get it dipped. You know what I'm saying? Dipped in chocolate. And man, when you eat it, it goes all over your face, all over your mouth, all over your shirt. You know what I'm talking about. It's great. Well, I remember one day my dad said, son, after supper, you and I will be going for a Dairy Queen. And we lived in Hawaii, down a lane, and the main highway was above us, and across the street was a Dairy Queen. And you know the Dairy Queen, I don't remember this, but Dairy Queen was a white building with a cone on top, and it has a little blue cone. You ever seen that? 
And then the blue cone blinks me. Eat me, eat me, eat me, eat me. <laughs> and so whenever I see that, I got to stop and I got to do it. So you, know, you can't blame me for stopping now, but it doesn't blink, but I still see it. And I still remember in the back of my head, eat me, eat me, eat me. So psychologically, it's embedded in me. So my dad says, son, after supper tonight, we're going. And we're going to get a cone. I says, oh, man, dad, great, great, great. After supper, my dad and I walked out to the highway. And sure enough, there was a Dairy Queen, a beautiful white building with a blue cone on top, blinking. And I says, dad, we've got to go. Yeah. And I looked, but there was one thing wrong, the traffic. How are we going to cross the highway? Cars, trucks, and buses were going back and forth, back and forth. And I knew I could not go across because if I went across, I would get hit by a car. There's no way I could make it across the highway. All of a sudden, my dad stuck his hand in front of my face. And I saw his large hand, and I grabbed onto his thumb. And as I grabbed onto his thumb, guess what? All fear left me. I felt good and I knew I was going to make it. When my, as long as I held on to my dad's thumb, when he walked, I walked. When he stopped, I stopped. And before I knew it, we were across the street and I was holding on to my dad's thumb. And we made it safely across to that Dairy Queen. Today, my dear people, my God is putting his hand in front of us. And he's saying, I can give you help. I have a thousand ways to provide for you of which you don't know of any. All you have to do is grab onto my thumb and I will lead you throughout through any problems that you have. What a wonderful God we have, don't we? If we just remember that my God has a thousand ways to provide for you of which you don't know of any. Grab on to the hand of Jesus.